back in August 1973, the world was introduced by the global international sensation that is Bruce Lee. Adan and I are here to review the 50th anniversary of Enter the Dragon. Boards, don't hit back. Welcome back to A Tale of Two Bros. My name is Angel. I'm Adan. Where we give you a review at least once a week. Spoiler alert. Enter the Dragon debuted August 19th, 1973. I was about a year. You were not even thought about yet. This is the month where on Fathom events are showing, or by the time this review is done, it showed the theatrical release of Enter the Dragon. Now, I don't know which one you saw because there are two versions, the regular uh, theatrical cut and the special edition, if you will, where there's an additional scene added where Lee's character and his master are having a conversation. No, I'm going to go with the theatrical. I don't remember a conversation like that. Yeah, it happens right after he fights Samuel Hyung in the beginning and before he meets Mr. Braithwaite. Okay. I used to watch this all the time. My first introduction was by Eric, actually, where I couldn't go to the theaters. I was too young to see it. Well, especially I was, I was one on that, but then they re-released it around like 1978 in conjunction with the Game of Death. Even though Bruce Lee has been dead since July of 1973, what they did for Game of Death is they used old footage that he shot for Game of Death, but they only, he only shot the fight scenes. They created a whole story behind that and used the action that he shot, and they got a double and to make a Game of Death. But anyway, Eric, what he did, he told me the story. Like He just like told me how it was. Like, person at a campfire telling a story, uh, a scary story, but neither that's Enter the Dragon. When I could be able to see it on DVD, and I saw it multiple times, and I saw it on DVD, and then on Blu-ray, I had each time technology advanced, I got a copy of it. I don't have the Blu-ray version. I just have, or do I have the Blu-ray version? I may have the Blu-ray version. Sure. I don't have. I'm sure you have the Blu-ray version, but do you not? So I, I, I don't know. I don't have the 4K. Is there a 4K? Now there is. It's coming out with one. Okay. So it's like a pre-order in it. Yeah. Because I'm quite sure at one point in time you had the VHS. Yep. Then you yep. had. The, I know for a fact you had the DVD. I was quite certain you had the Blu-ray in general, well, and then well, like well, in well. in the digital version of the Blu-ray. So you at least had 1080. After watching in the theater, I just bought it on digital. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Because it has all these special features that didn't have on the original. Yeah. Or the other other copies that I have. So, you know, the, the making of it, um, his one black and white interview that he had, and other features too. Yeah. You know, I got that. I got that off. It's on sale now for those listening, and maybe it's still on sale when you, you guys hear this, watch this, on... Apple Plus and also on Amazon, where you can buy it for five bucks and you get all those features. How many times have you seen it in life? Uh, I want to say, because I remember in my youth, uh, like it would play on daytime TV. Like you could just scroll and like 
like every now and then it will be playing like on not on like on HBO too, but like they'll just trim it up. And I remember commercials in it. So I do remember seeing it because even though there was blood, it was like they just trim up the stuff that you can't really show. And the blood was pretty fake at the time. I want to say I'm in the double digits. Easy. Well, me too. Um, mm-hmm. The TV thing, I don't know, was as rare. Well, for me growing up, it was hardly ever on. It was like if it happened, it was like a rare occasion that they showed it because of the violence, because of some of the nudities that they, I guess they couldn't figure out how to edit that out. And, you know, now it's easier to edit out the some of the nudity shots. It, it wasn't gratuitous nudity. It was just Tough. some, yeah, topless here and there or, or profile. Yeah. It wasn't really like that. Uh, before we get into it in deeper, this is directed by Robert Klaus. Yeah. This is a in conjunction, uh, production conjunction of with Warner Brothers and Golden Harvest. It is written by Michael Allen and also Bruce Lee. But he gets the credit mainly because he actually was responsible for the name of the title. It was originally titled Hans Island. But he thought, like, since this is... And this was after Return of the Dragon, right? Well, this is after. No, no, this is after. But in the U.S., they called it Return of the Dragon because they didn't see the way of the dragon, which is later got renamed for Return of the Dragon, the one with Chuck Norris. Mm-hmm. But Bruce Lee thought it should be like Enter the Dragon because it was a it fit multiple ideas in the sense of him coming into the picture... Uh, it's a U.S. market, but uh, starring a Asian lead. So it was like more about him. And that says Enter the Dragon. And he was born in the year of the dragon. So that kind of all wraps up in one. But you have starring here, Bruce Lee, John Saxon. And we know him from multiple features, especially on Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one. Jim yeah. Kelly, a notified, recognized martial artist. In fact, a lot of these actors, unfortunately, do not, they don't live. I mean, sorry, they're not alive anymore. A lot of them are dead. Bruce Lee passed away. John Saxon passed away. Jim Kelly passed away. You also have here Annie Capri. She was the young love interest of John Saxon in the movie. Mm-hmm. Kinshid, uh, Kinshe, excuse me, he passed away as well. He was his aunt. Mm-hmm. Right, Bob Wall. He was Ohara. He passed away relatively recently. Angela Mao or Angela Mao Ying in the in the show in the movie, and mm-hmm. she's still alive. And also Bolo Young is still alive. And his name is not really Bolo, but he became Bolo or known as Bolo because of this movie. He just kept that name for every project afterwards. And it became his acting name. And Bruce Lee was also the fight choreographer yeah. for this. So you can see some similarities. Actually, there is some similarities with the fight with Bolo and Roper. Like, like some of the kicking that Bolo does, Bruce Lee does it later on with Han. They're fighting outside. Bruce Lee does a double Yeah, before hit. they go into Roma Mirrors. Well, no, no. But before that, there's um, they're fighting outside. And Bruce Lee does a, a jump, double kick. Bolo does the same thing. Mm-hmm. by a roper and I was like oh, I see the relation and that's what's good about seeing these movies you know again this is over 50 years old 
when we're younger or something that we don't pay attention to certain details like we do now, like me watching again, especially on the big screen, it hit me different. Mm -hmm. And even though I enjoy the movie, I really appreciated the movie this time. Bruce Lee is awesome in this acting wise, of course, the martial arts, but some other things too. I was like, wow, it's like really smart how what he chose to do. And I can agree with that. Yeah. Because he, he was, um, he wasn't uh, just a fighter. He was a smart character. He was infiltrating the area. Well, his character had multiple motives. Yes, that's true. The death of his sister, mm -hmm. which was caused by Ohara and his men. You yes. have Han, who was part of the, of the Shaolin Temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are the two big things for him. And you have other characters too. And what's great about also Enter the Dragon, when you see it again, like you say, oh, wow, this is how the influence of other movies you have here. Yes. It influenced Mortal Kombat, the first movie, mm -hmm. easily because you have three characters here mainly, and you have three characters in Mortal Kombat as well in telling the story. And it, it's pretty much also the same how each character became about in the sense of their motivation of, Joining the tournament, you see how these guys, oh, their motivation or background. Oh, well, yeah, with the drone club and them. Oh, well, yeah, thinking more like the game, but the idea of the tournament, that's the influence in there. And, and like they brought in Fei Long. Was it Fei Long? Yes. Yeah. Any pretty much most fighting games uh, would, you can argue, is influenced by Enter the Dragon. There's always like a big boss that's running it. It was like running an organization that's always. Well, and right, I'm talking about. Stuff. Perfect human. Right. And you have here, and it says he has a, the perfect fighters or two at mm -hmm. each branch. You also have Balls of Fury. That That's comedy. Clear uh, cutoff of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. That one. Um, you also. Um, Batman and uh, Soul of the Dragon. We were just talking about that in our, uh, not too long ago. Yes, in the sense of, well, four characters instead of three on this one. Yeah, of course that was a big influence. The James Bond films, just like this movie, it was very influenced of the James Bond mm -hmm. era. Oh, the Quest. There you go, and Bloodsport, mm -hmm. where there's a tournament that comes every so often. I even had Bolo. Right, and that they. Well, oh, not you. the Quest. No, Bloodsport. and Bloodsport. Yeah, yeah. So, and he has to say the famous line to. Oh no, does he say it? Bricks don't hit back. Yeah. Although it says that. On Rotten Tomatoes, you have here, it scored very well, still to this day, 88% by the critics and 91% by the audience. And seeing it again, I have to agree, it was always ranked high for me as the predecessor, as the one for the modern day martial arts film. That's, it set the standard. I agree. There's a lot of I things mean, that were... Because he, uh, we'll, we'll look at it this way. If you look at like the Shaw brother films, not just the, the way the story flowed, but also how the fighting was, there is a big difference between those two. Like the, the quality of acting, the filming, the piece in the story and the fighting. There are some points where you're like, you got that pop, pop, pop motion, but then there's like where everything's just running more smooth. Right. The one that, that has that pop, pop, pop is with Jim Kelly and that British guy. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So the guy, there were guys just doing like one step sparring. He just step and punch them. And Jim is like, bah, uh, uh, uh. that was yes. But with, with Roper and Bolo, that had a more free flow fight. Mm -hmm. Roper's just throwing punches and Bolo's just like blocking real quick. And in a, in a, as in a free flow state. Now we also have Jackie Chan's in this, one of his early works, Samo Hung. He's mm -hmm. in the beginning fighting Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. And this is actually his second movie he did, or no, he did they're both. Two they did two movies. Jackie Chan was also in Chinese Connection. He was a stump man. He was the Japanese guy who got kicked in the throat by Bruce and went flying. I thought this was the first film that he worked with Bruce. No. That was the second. This is he did this is the second one he did, and they he did three scenes mm -hmm. with him. He dies like three times, probably. The one I where the one where Bruce Lee puts him in a uh, like a hold and breaks his neck, but you don't really see the neck break. You just hear it with Bruce's uh, physicalness. Mm -hmm. And another one where Jackie's back is towards the camera and Bruce has the bow staff and he hits across the face. As you were saying that, I was, of course, double-checking some facts. And one piece of trivia, he actually hit Jackie in the face with yeah. one of the fighting sticks. That was it. Uh, uh, the scene I just told you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, But he also, like, immediately in the filming of it, he apologized to Jackie and told him, you can work on all my films from this point on. <laughs> um, sadly, yeah. But well, there's a lot of... It's on record that he said that. Yeah. There's a lot of fun facts here or behind-the-scenes stuff that... You may not be aware. I am more aware because I read the books mm -hmm. uh, and saw some of the videos. But, like for example, the first his first scene, Bruce Lee's, mm -hmm. is actually when the girls come in, like pick one that scene. Yeah, that's his first scene that he ever shot. Okay, just prior to his him filming this, he was fall, felt falling ill. Complaining about headaches, stuff like that, passing out, mm -hmm. blah, blah. and mainly because he was worried because he wanted to have this film to do so well because this is opportunity to be an international star. He, yeah. he so he had all this stress he was putting on to himself because he was doing well. He was a child actor in Hong Kong. He came to the United States due to the fact that. His parents sent him here because he. They were worried that he would get killed because he was part of a gang. He was getting mice and being in trouble of law. Even though he was like those, you know, like those actors we have today, child actors that get in trouble. So his parents sent him to the U.S. And you know, it was destined him, destined for him to star into something because he got found during a tournament by a producer. Anyway, they found him prior to that, like passed out on the floor. So for him to regain his strength, they just say, no, just don't worry about it. We'll just, we'll figure out when you can start and blah, blah, blah. Here, let's do this one. You're sitting on a chair, not that much stress. And he lost about like 20 pounds. Plus also people were getting sick from the food and there was a monsoon happening as well. So it was like a lot of things that are like making it challenging for the filming to happen and for him. The Hall of Mirrors is a scene that he did not want to do. He was against it. 
Really? Wow, yes. was there a reason? He didn't think it would look right. And it was decided by Robert Klaus. Robert Klaus, the director, he thought, oh, let's do this. And, and the scene it actually itself was like an eight by 10 room. Yeah. Like with a column in the center with glass, you know, as, as mirrors as well to make an illusion. And they like had a cut holes and maybe have two cameras run where they're filming. And then you'll see that sometimes there's some shots shot upward or like, like a handheld or something. Yeah. There. Bruce was against it. But then after the shooting and the filming, and that was done, he stayed a couple of days later for some still photography. Mm-hmm. So the, there's some posters out there or pictures of Bruce posing that he, that's from him staying longer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, anyway, I have a lot of favorite scenes here. One of my favorites is the scene with his sister. It was deep. It hit me differently now. And even though it was like maybe five minutes long, it said a lot. Yeah. Where this girl can kick ass, she can fight, she does damage. And we see how Ohara gets a scar. Yeah. But she has principles. And instead of allowing herself to be raped, in a split decision, she decides to take her life. I remember that, yeah. And how like some people, even to this day, they see someone in trouble. Do they help? No. They just either, well, today will be, they'll be filming it instead of helping. Yeah. And they won't come put it on like, uh, TikTok or YouTube or something like that. Right. Instead of calling 911, mm-hmm. like you have here people shutting the door on her for she can't help. My other favorite scene was not really a fight or anything like that. It was him being stealthy. When he's in that room with all the bird cages mm-hmm. in his night, and he's walk, trying to get to from egg, um, point A to point B, and you see him like he's walking, he has his hand up, he has his fist up, just in case he has to throw yeah. to get to that one spot that he stops and he hides. I was like, man, that's really good. Just that simpleness. What about you? What was your favorite moment or scene? So for me, a lot of the scenes that I was enjoying were like those nostalgic scenes that were things that reminded me like our family uh, in those cases. Like um, I, I always mess up this line uh, where he, uh, he's, uh, Jim Kelly's talking to Mr. Han. He's like, I think I'd like to leave your island, Mr. Han. And he goes to Mr. Han, man. And uh, uh, oh, shit, Mr. Han, man. Man, you straight oh, out of a comic book. Comic book. Uh, right, it's up. I said, no, if that happens, I won't even notice. Exactly. Oh, also, I'll be too busy looking good. <laughs> I was like, he had the best. Like, he was my yeah, favorite no, character. I, I, of the fights, I was less about him for fights, but I was more about him for the lines. Absolutely. His character was awesome. Yes. His character was awesome. He was my favorite. Mm-hmm. He had the best lines. He had, uh, he did have great screen presence. Yeah, but yeah, his fighting in the sense with the the British guy was like a little weak. But he's a he was a legit martial artist. He he was badass. Yeah. But unfortunately, they didn't really allow him to flex his skill, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then um, the, 
all the real big iconic scenes that, of course, that you can reference in almost any other movie that they were used. Of course, the tournament fight scenes, um, uh, those are all great when he gets revenge for his sister. Um, and um, because the one and that hit me, and that hit me differently too, because it's like usually, like, you, you see in the Chinese connection, mm-hmm. and you see here, like, when he does a a stomp where he's killing someone, yeah, he makes his facial expressions. You know, when he does it here and who he does it to, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, you could see because at the whole time he's maintaining a very good composure in all actuality throughout the entire fight, even like uh to the point when the guy is fighting dirty and uh and then that last moment you that cry was more a cry of emotion over this instance and it hits differently when you think about it that way it's not like well, a lot of times when people acted out it's like ah, like like it's just like intense but it looked like he was about to cry from that and also when when he leaves to bow to han mm-hmm. you see his face is like not like oh shit but it was like he's he's trying to com- he's trying to control his emotion Exactly. He's raining it back in. Right. But do you know that he was supposed to actually kill Bob Wall? Not actually kill. No, no, no. That's that's wrong. That's wrong. He was he was going to kill Bob Wall. Well, as like like in No, in real life. In real life. That, like they had a feud or some shit? Well, no. What it was is that okay, so the bottle scene, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nowadays we have breakaway Bob. Yeah. They didn't have that. It was actual bottles that he broke. Mm-hmm. That's why they were like and, very stubby. Because nowadays with the breakaway bottles, they they you get a good chunk left over, but like real bottles, like they get more stubby. Right. Well, this was, was you can see it. You can see it that it's thick. The glass. Yes. So while Bob Wall is supposed to be you know, choreographed, of course, that is you know he's supposed to thrust towards Bruce. And Bruce is doing the inside-outside kicks to defend. Mm-hmm. There was a mistiming. He cuts Bruce in the hand. And they had to stop filming for a while because they had, he had to get stitches. Okay. People were getting to his head that Bob Wall did it on purpose. Now, Grad, they have a relationship, Bruce and Bob. They've done a movie before, Way of the Dragon. Yeah. But they have a good relationship. And Bob Wall has done three films. Where the dragon enter and game of death. But again, Bruce is not for that one. So by that point, it was like he was on film number two. Right. And so he got in the head because, like, a lot of the extras that he was friends with, and the extras were also gang members. So they, the gangs actually knew who Bruce was because of his ways to what his past. Right. And so, and also, since Bob is not Chinese, like Guaylo, they said you have to get honor for what he has done. Then wind of that got to the director. Holy crap! I gotta do something because he was heard that uh, Bruce was gonna kill him, and Bruce was gonna do that with his sidekick, crushes, crushes rib. The, the kick that pushes, yeah, 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 Bob Wall into the into the people into the chairs. Mm-hmm. That he was gonna use that, but if you notice, he it's more of a push because Robert Klaus was able to convince Bruce not to kill him because they need him for another scene. Mm-hmm. 
that goes, you know, a lot of movies are not shot in order. They're shot in random order. So it's like, we need them for another scene that we haven't shot yet. So please don't. And so Bruce figured out a way how he could save face. I think Robert also helped him. And it sounds like this is what you can do. You can save them, like the same face. And that was part of it. For the film to be successful, we need him for another scene. And it was a lie. As soon as everything was done, he got Bob Wall out of hell, out of Dodge. And then, you know, of course, that was still was a, a powerful kick because one of the supporting role players that caught Bob Wall broke his arm. Yeah. It was more like, this is what I could have done. That's just one thing. And also, there's another time also where Bruce is being threatened by one of the extras and bothering him, bothering him, bothering him. And during a break, he was still talking shit about Bruce, towards Bruce, around Bruce, blah, 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 that he heard it. And even though, like, Bruce would eat among the extras, he would not go to, like, where the principal characters are eating. He will be among the extras. Yeah. So one day he says, he got tired and there's like a, I don't know if you know, remember, but there's a little kind of, not this, but walls with grass on top too. It's like you know, separation from the depths of the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Bruce, Bruce was like, call them down and says, yeah, okay, you've been talking a lot of stuff about me. Let's see what you got. Mm-hmm. Two minutes later, the guy's up with a bloody nose. And again, I got uh, Robert Klaus got wind of it and as they're running to to stop is already done there's so many great stories about this film um of what happened and also with john saxon john saxon thought he was the star i remember hearing that well i think i just said i think i said it earlier but um that's why the on the credits is bruce lee and john saxon together not just bruce lee is a double billing yeah there are some full pause here mm-hmm. I have to get that uh, out of the way. Bruce Lee never did his flips. All those flips that are showed, the backflip from Ohara, and in the beginning where Bruce supposedly does a double flip over the hands. Okay. That was done by the guy from Kung Fu Hustle, one of the old guys. There's like a dozen old guys in that movie. Okay. You got to narrow that down. (laughs) The couple, the couple. Oh, uh, the the landlords. Uh, the the right. guy who was the landlord. Okay. Yes, he did the flips. For uh, him. Um, he's actually he's actually in the movie as well. And it says you see him clear as day when the girls throw the darts. Mm-hmm. He's the one with the big ears. Okay. Because Bruce couldn't do it, and, and it pissed him off that he couldn't do the Arab, uh, acrobats. And so he wanted he to do everything. Like, no, but he told John Saxon, I'm going to learn how to do that. I love that the, uh, what is, what is it, would it be a dungeon or layer? It was or, a cave. It, it was, a, yeah. But if you noticed it, everything is done in the same spots. For the most part, yeah. I mean, he just runs around in a circle. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, as big as the island was, they pretty much... For the filming of the sets, you could tell they just utilized the space, and it was very condensed. Um, right, unless it was like outside, it was extreme. Even outside, they used the people to focus every like because it was like an army of. Even though they're they're, they're all learning kung fu, I'm like girl, that's karate. Uh, 
True. And a lot of them don't know how to throw punches. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to, and the belts are tied all wrong, all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, the, the people were like walls just right, bringing everything in. They're all huddled together. Um, so I, yes, it is very a tight uh, scenes and environment, uh, which, like you said, you could tell they're pretty much just going in a circle for the most part. For me, when I was younger, it didn't dawn on to me. doesn't dawn on most people. Right. And you look at it, he's like, wait a minute. He's like, he just went to the elevator. Now he's back at the computer booth. Mm-hmm. And he's back at the, where the opium is. And I was like, and he's going right back. And he's, so it's kind of funny on that. And also where he's climbing down the rope, he goes onto a, a scaffold. And I'm like, he he can breathe on the people underneath of him. Because the, the scaffold was what? Maybe there was two layers. Yeah. And the first one was maybe six feet. And then another six feet. So it's 12 feet high of the two scaffolds combined from the floor. Yeah. I mean, granted, a lot of Asians were not tall. So not to be rude but it's true they're not six feet they're usually like five eight which he was he was five eight yeah so but i just find that funny i mean your average uh american nowadays is like five ten so like that's not that much of a difference really. but still but i'm just i just find it funny that you know he's sneaking in and he's just like and they all they have to do is like this and they'll see him oh yeah yeah no there's a lot of like you said nitpicks uh, that were there and in that area. Um, and this movie was somewhat racist. Somewhat. It is very much a testament of its time. True, and very stereotypical in the sense of the characters because it's like Williams just had a handbag and a suitcase. How did he put the posters up of Jimi Hendrix? Where do he had his headphones? His room was very stereotypical of a black guy back in the day i was like either they made it very racist in that way or that on is such a incredible host that he knew exactly how to put everyone in their uh put the stuff in everyone's room could be argued to make, that. to make them very comfortable on is a very thoughtful host i guess so and the music too mm-hmm. music was, yeah the music was good oh the music is by uh, Lilo Schaffrin, mm. the same composer of Mission Impossible, as we mentioned before yeah. on our Mission Impossible review. But I just find it funny how they did that with him. Or in the sense of like, it was also very political where you see Jim Carrey's, Jim Carrey, Jim Kelly's past where he's confronted by the cops. Yep. I do like the fact that they were, him and Roper were friends. They got along. From, they, uh, they did get along. Well, well, they were friends. They, were, they served together in, in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's right. But and, even at that, like, like just because you served together doesn't mean you're going to automatically get along. But he did get along with Roper. Yeah. yeah. You could tell. And besides Williams, Roper has some great lines himself. Mm-hmm. Especially that line where they're talking during the feast. I think we're getting fattened up for the kill. For a man who was like a gambler, heavy gambler, he was paying attention, reading the room. It's what funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was just pulling up quotes from Rover Williams, 
just to like because I was like remembering stuff, and then I was like, Roper, what's the matter? You on a diet, Williams? I'd like to eat if I can find something I can keep down. That kind of reminded me of uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yes, with a like, oh, monkey braids, right? Such a delicacy. So you have Han, who who played Han. Mm -hmm. He could have speak English. And yeah, have, you can get the and, dubbing, right? And I'm I'm thinking it's the same guy from Gung Ho and and who also did the voices for Kung Fu. Can't mm -hmm. remember who. Um, let me see real quick. Yep. I was right. K. Luke, if I'm saying it right. K. E. Y. E. Luke. He did the voice for Han. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, so K. Luke, he was also the blind monk in Kung Fu. So I was incorrect in says of Feng Gung Ho, that movie with Michael Keaton. And again, he's, he passed away as well. Yeah. So this is moving. He is 50 uh, years. Yeah, I know. But you, but you have... Angela Mao, she's still alive. Yeah, but yeah, like I guess it also a uh, testament like how old were they when they made the film too. True, because like, well, Angela well, Mao was pretty young when yeah. she did those films. And unfortunately, like uh, Jim Kelly, he passed away due to cancer. Yeah. Again, so Rotten Tomatoes we have it here at eighty-eight from the critics, ninety-one uh, by the audience. I say. I'm with the audience even more, 95, because this movie did set a precedent of other movies to come. Many movies do their best to honor it. John Wick 2 mm -hmm. is a total homage to it in their scene with their mirrors. You cannot deny that. It, and, it is an homage to it. Like, yes. What place would, what reason would you have a hall of mirrors unless you live in a fun house? Other than to pay tribute to Enter the Dragon, let's be honest. Also, so that extra scene I was telling you about, it went back to that where it was kind of like, oh, and the monk, did you recognize the monk in the beginning? So that was the same monk that we, that was Tanaka from the Tanaka clan from Bloodsport. Oh. So, yeah, so he, we had this conversation before. He also was in Game of Death. He was putting makeup on, and he was also in The Protector with Jackie Chan playing the villain. <laughs> yeah. But again, he has a bigger role in the special edition. And what they talk about in that, and I guess that's where they give also Brucey credit because Brucey is actually talking about Jeet uh, Kune Do and how, when you, in more or less, he's telling, like, when you train so hard and so diligently, it comes second nature. You don't. There's no thought into it. It's just reaction. Yeah. His master gives him one final lesson, and that lesson he uses when he's um, against Han in the mirrors. The person is all about images. So it's on that to that effect. I'm sorry because I, I don't remember this. I don't watch the special edition that much mm -hmm. compared to the original. That he, you see Bruce do like a like a facial expression, like he's thinking, and then finally understanding his master's teaching. And then he starts to smash the mirrors to be able to identify the real versus the fake. Yeah. Now, I have to say that final fight scene with him and Han before the Hall of Mirrors, Han should have been dead from all those blows, especially that roundhouse to the neck. Through That head should have been like, it looked like it broke on, on mid-kick. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the, and that's the that was the one I, I get it. He was supposed to be like a monk that turned. Now he's mm-hmm. doing this whole opium uh, situation. Um, so you could argue, even though he's like older looking, he's that trained and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But you're right; those hits look like they would have taken him out easily. Some of them, like he got some in, but like Bruce was like, uh, like when he got hit, it looked like he could feel it. Oh, I chuckled again, and some people chuckled too in the audience. Oh, by the way, oh, you didn't see it. I'm sorry. He saw on t- he saw on streaming. I went to the theater. Um, the heel kick. That from the head position, he does the, the the heel kick to him. Okay. Some of us chuckled in it, even though I've seen it before. I know it's coming. Even Kim found it funny. Uh, oh, I meant to ask, like, how was your theater experience? Like, how many people showed up? Not many. Not many. I don't think it was advertised that much either. Well, it was on Fathom events. So if you knew about it through Fathom, or if you were a steady film goer, mm-hmm. you would see. It. Like, I knew about it because of Instagram. There was a few, maybe 15 people all together for that, which is fine. You know, it was pretty much having an empty theater to yourself. It's not bad. Some of the paws here also, which I didn't understand or it didn't make sense. For the most part, when Williams and Han are fighting and then, then Williams falls into another room, that the drunken girls or that girls are high. Mm-hmm. How come they didn't hear that before? Granted, I understand. It's just it's just weird that that room is separated by a wall of rice paper. Maybe they're used to the grunting in the other side of the wall. I don't know. <laughs> oh, and Ken did ask me, can you die by getting kicked in the nuts five times? I would say close to yeah. If not, I, I ask the fuck out. I, I wouldn't say theoretically, yes, you could. Because it's like it's a huge shock to the system. It's a it's a nerve like a nerve cluster there. Um, so depending on your physique and the you know the person on the receiving end uh, and the ver- force of the blows, yeah, it, it could cause death. Uh, but it can. I don't know. I don't similar know. things have been said about like that for like other nerve clusters hit, being hit. It's not like you know that you know palm of death move like one hit will kill you. Uh, but like no, I'll, enough trauma after this, would. after this, I'll look it up and I'll post it here to see if it's true or not. But I mean, it may destroy him. Uh, like a, you might bust a ball. Yeah. Uh, and then that in itself, actually that probably could also be a cause because blood flow, swelling, current, yeah, right. a lot of things could happen. Mm-hmm. People have different reactions. Is this worth the watch? Yeah. Yes. I would say so. I, I 100% agree. This is so good. Again, for for me, I've seen it since the age of 12. I mean, he's so one on. Right, but I didn't see it until it came out on DVD. No, you saw it when it was before DVD, man. Oh, did I say DVD? I'm at VHS. Sorry. Sorry. I'm at VHS. I was about to retcon your life right now. (laughs) No, sorry. DVD wasn't there at 12. On VHS, yes, I owned it. I watched it. I watched it multiple times on VHS. Then I bought it. I think I still have the case somewhere, the original case somewhere. Probably do. I believe I do. You probably had the clamshell case. Yes. Yeah. Um, That's a term that you young folk probably don't even know about, clamshell. Young folk don't even know what a freaking phone is. Uh, Oh, no. uh, uh, A uh, freaking rotary phone. 
You're, we know, we know those. <laughs> yeah, definitely worth the watch. Definitely worth the own. Now, get on 4K, not necessarily so. But if you want to get more info on it and behind the scenes and things of that nature, definitely get it on streaming or get the DVD version. You'll get those in that special edition one. So I, I, I'm really surprised how well it holds up in a way of good storytelling. Pretty good acting. And also great martial arts sequences. You have the nunchucks. You have the staff. You have... Yeah, he does cycle through the weapons. In one scene alone, he just goes mm-hmm. through various weapon types. And he shows also principles of martial arts or different tactics of practicing martial arts or mm-hmm. executing martial arts. The one with the, Brit- the British on the boat. He defeated the guy without throwing a single punch. Putting him on a boat, tricking him that they're going to fight on an on a island. And he gets him on the boat and then the guy's like all trying not to drown. Also, you have a, a uh, here a scene that you can say is an homage in the Karate Kid, where he's bowing or he's teaching his student in the beginning, never take your eyes off the opponent, even when you bow. And Miyagi says that to Daniel's son, always look high, always look high. Also in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that was also said. Right. So what now? Which one? The first one, first live action one, TMNT. Yeah, like when they're training, uh, fighting with the foot soldiers and they're training, and um, said not Tosian, um, the huh, huh, Tatsu, uh, they're fighting, and he's like, uh, uh, and then they, they bow, and he kicks the kid in the face, he goes, Never oh, take yeah. your eyes off the opponent, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, that's right, that's right, yeah, before I forget. I, you said your theater experience, but how was the resolution like? Did it on? Did the footage look like it was like up resolution on theater in theater, or did it? Because you know, like when we watch some of the older films, sometimes like it gets some grainy and some parts and so forth like that. It looked okay. It, it looked okay. It um, mm-hmm. it looked grainy on the credits. Oh, the parts we don't care. Right, but here's also. This movie had the fastest credit scene, uh, end credits I ever, I think I ever witnessed. Because I think they put Maybe. most of the, like the main names at the beginning of the film. No, but they also have the cast and all that stuff. But it was like, it was like 30 seconds long. Yeah. Compared to now, it was like five to 15 minutes of credits at the end. The thing is where, where when Bruce Lee sees Roper or Lee sees Roper and he does the, the thumbs up flexed thumbs up mm-hmm. and Roper's like is like eh. and then you see the the cavalry come in late yep then Lee looks at the claw and and then the, the camera zooms on the claw and then you see Lee in the background walk and the credits go he's like this she's like eh. the end I was like holy crap that's wow time. Oh, but yeah. here's another football sorry okay. here's another football that Eric actually our godbrother pointed out way back in the day, and it stuck to me that when Mr. Waithwaite is talking to Lee and showing the films, showing the who that he's about to infiltrate and all that stuff, mm-hmm. they obviously or they said that they've been investigating Han for quite some time. They even have a 
a mole in there. Yeah. Their file on this case is ironically paper thin. Yeah, like like this. Where is the kid? Where is the kid? Where like that. You would think it'd be more thicker, like this notebook. Any question he had, Lee, wait for it was easy to answer and say, Oh yeah, are you gonna meet this girl? If you're investigating someone for quite some time, even a week's worth, the, the file will be thick. Should be. If you do your job right. I just find it funny how convenient it was or conveniently thin the file was. But yeah. But the the resolution was well enough. It wasn't it didn't it looked dated because of the style. Mm-hmm. But it didn't it didn't feel dated because of the quality of the film. That makes any sense. No, I agree. Uh, it, but like my experience was different because theaters and that, but like watching it in stream, mm-hmm. kind of like how we were talking about with Conan, even though we were streaming, it still felt pretty good uh, in right. that sense. The other thing I was going to say is kind of made me bring back uh, turtlenecks. Yo, Roper was rocking the turtleneck every chance he got. Williams too. Yeah, that's true. Williams that's true. Had, I was like, I was like, but they're in they're in freaking Southeast Asia and they're not freaking sweating. The AC was good. I don't know how. <laughs> okay, so I know we already gave our thoughts, but do we go over our weakest moment before we sign off? Uh I didn't really have one in particular weakest moment. It's pretty much just like the parts that didn't really translate well going over the age, but those were like the minor, minor parts that we kind of, we like, I wasn't a big fan of the whole, I get it. The whole black Panther movement, uh, please thing. It is like a minuscule portion for the story for me. Like I literally forget it every single time. If I feel like a backstory portion doesn't need to be done, it always never sits well with me. Oh, also, though that that flashback scene with Roper golfing. Oh yeah, yeah. See that. Well, the three goons. The main one that was talking is Pat Johnson. He is a choreographer of the Karate Kid. I'll go figure. Yeah. So he's been, and also he was a choreographer for the first Mortal Kombat. Okay. And you see, and you see Pat Johnson also in the Big Brawl with Jackie Chan, and he was also the, one of the referees in the Karate Kid. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been in a lot of films and he was also a Tung Sudo practitioner, which was my original style that I studied with Chuck Norris. And listen, well, I didn't stay with Chuck Norris, but I'm saying that. Yeah. Yep. Hold on. I got to take another shit. A few moments later. And one last thing I want to mention is that I love the, that we see what Mr. Braithwaite mentioned before, why of why on despises guns. And you see later on while he's talking to Roper and Roper asks him, what is this? It's his hand that we see mm-hmm. as a, a skeleton form. Maybe a, like a gun accident happened or he got shot and which maybe like underneath right below the hand that shot off his hand. Something like that, which I thought was a nice little callback touch to what was said earlier in the, in the film. Yeah. All right, guys, that is our throwback review of Enter the Dragon. Have you seen it? Let us know in the comments below what was your favorite moment. 
If you have a movie or show you'd like us to review, please leave us a comment in the description below or email us at tellsthetwobros at gmail.com. Until next time, we'll be the next time. I'm Angel. I'm Adon. Love you, bro. Love you, too.